Human Trafficking True Crime covers the exploitation of men, women, and children across the world. Subject matter may not always be suitable for children or those dealing with mental health issues. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know has been trafficked, please contact the Human Trafficking Hotline by texting HELP, H-E-L-P, to 233-733. When a person hears the term human trafficking, many things come to the front of their mind. Cinematic films like Taken, people living in cages and being sold for sex daily, and even for some, the covert underground operation of a large-scale human trafficking ring run by wealthy, powerful elites. While yes, movies like Taken are not stories we hear of often or even ever, it goes without saying it could be possible. There are documented cases of women having been forced to live in cages and being sold for sex. And sadly, we do know there are powerful, wealthy elites who have indulged and partaken in criminal sexual acts against minors. At the top of that list are names we all know from the news and media, Jeffrey Epstein, Harvey Weinstein, and the now-defunct royal Prince Andrew, third child to the late Queen Elizabeth. What gets more wealthy and powerful than that? While those names and stories are intriguing and telling, they don't actually paint the picture of what human trafficking can actually look like for some people. One man, a human trafficker, single-handedly connected to a network of pedophiles, used force fraud, and coercion to lure at least three known minor victims to perform commercial sexual acts through a massage parlor business he ran out of his home. This trafficker used manipulation and mental psychological warfare against his victims through discovering their vulnerabilities, ones in which he navigated toward. He had developed a connection to the young adolescent males who are struggling with their sexual identity. This criminal used a unique set of skills he crafted over years of torture and abuse inflicted into his, onto his victims until a fatal error in judgment on his part and the gut feeling of border agents, which would bring this man down in July of 2012. What unfolded over the following six years would become one of the biggest human trafficking stories and convictions here in Texas. With setbacks and errors which occurred because of a lack of knowledge and understanding on the police department's behalf when it came to dealing with human trafficking cases, especially ones involving minor males, there were many lessons to be learned. Fortunately for this case, Good prevailed evil, and the victims were able to seek justice despite all of these setbacks that they faced. Tonight, we give the four survivors who had the will and desire to testify against their trafficker in federal court the last word. Welcome, I'm Shannon. And I'm Megan. We're your hosts of Human Trafficking True Crime. Hello, hello. We tell the stories of the crimes related to this global issue. Survivor stories, missing people, conspiracies, serial killers, and so much more. We're glad you're here for another episode and another whacked out case. But before we do that, Megan. We, we do have some exciting news. We have an update on a case 
Kaylee Jones. We covered her case, I think, uh, episode 15. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, she was found saved earlier this month and has been reunited with her family. Yes. The article gave little to no information about her recovery, where she was, who she was with, if anyone was arrested, how they established contact with her, etc., etc., etc. The fact is, she is a minor still, and we will most likely not see or hear any information on her case until it goes to trial. Right. We will watch it closely, and if our listeners hear anything or read anything, send it our way, because we love these updates. Yes, we do. This is a great update. This is a great time to be rejoiceful and thankful for all of the hard work that the men and women who dedicate their time and talents to finding and locating the missing and trafficked individuals in America and around the world. Uh, Megan, we all know in today's world, the men and women in blue get a bad rap, whether that is Mm -hmm. justified or not. But this is a time that we can all sit back and say job. Well done. Completely. I mean, it really is the Georgia Bureau of Investigation, the FBI, the Secret Service, the U.S. uh, Marshals Service, local law enforcement, the Carroll County Sheriff's Department and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, along with the private eyes that her family had paid for and reached out and sought uh, guidance from were all involved in this investigation and subsequent recovery of Kaylee Jones earlier this month. So it's amazing We here at Human Trafficking, True Crime, and Last Word, our anti-trafficking lifestyle brand, appreciate all of the hard work and just want to say job well done to the men and women in blue and the men and women that brought Kaylee home under whatever circumstances that may be. She is home. Exactly. Hopefully it's where she needs to be. Um, I know we both kind of have our own debates on that. (laughs) Uh, If you're questioning what we're talking about, go back and listen to Kaylee's story, but uh, she's home, she's safe, she is no longer being victimized in any way, and that's something that we should be really grateful for. Yep, it's a win. It is a win, it is a win. And moving right along, we are still winning with our 30% off promo code for listeners. Uh, that code is accessible store-wide. So anything on our website right now, you can use this 30% code um, to get... Um, you can use this code to get 30% off. So the code is HTTC 2023, HTTC like human trafficking, true crime 2023. That'll get you 30% off on last word by sl.com's website with each person purchase that is made. We do give back to C7 human trafficking coalition. So your purchase, yes, directly helps those who have been human trafficked and, We appreciate that support. If you cannot go out and purchase any merch or you don't want to purchase any merch, you can go ahead and rate and review the podcast, but go use the code HTTC 2023 for 30% off and be on the lookout for the new line that is dropping soon. Yes. So... We will just segue right in to our case tonight. Yes. It is a doozy for sure. Yes. It's a rough one. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be, it'll be hard, but we'll get through it. It's going to be hard. We're going to get through it. But this is the point of the podcast is to talk about these sick individuals sometimes, um, we do not want to give them any extra limelight than we absolutely have to. Uh, but we also realize that it is very important to talk about these criminals because it helps to understand how people can become victimized by them. Yes. And how they perform their acts. Right. How they... What's their methodology? Exactly. 100% agreed. So Jason Daniel Gandy was convicted by a federal jury in Houston, Texas on July 23rd, 2018 on four counts of sex trafficking of minors, one count of transportation of minors for commercial sexual acts, one count of sexual exploitation of a child, and one count of transportation of child exploitation content which is also Jesus. known as child pornography. I hear on this show we use 
exploitation content. This was after only a four-day trial and three hours of deliberation. The jury produced a guilty verdict to the court, ending this fight that was just days shy from when it had originally begun. This investigation started when Gandhi and his minor companion, who we will call Brian, were denied entry by immigration officials from the United Kingdom Border Force at London Heathrow Airport in July of 2012. Gandhi and Brian were traveling under the guise of attending the London Olympic Games and fell under suspicion after an immigration official questioned why a man of Gandhi's age was traveling with a minor who he was not related to. The pair were sent back to their departure location, which was George Bush Intercontinental Airport in Houston, Texas, on separate flights, but not before UK officials had contacted the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement's Homeland Security Investigations Unit in Texas, relaying the information they had obtained. That's some that's some good border patrol work right there. It really is. You have to credit that this person questioned yeah. the situation and was like, something is off. I don't think They're so. They're like, mm-mm. <laughs> Yeah. No, no, no. Access, Red flag. Access denied. Yes. And it, it, yes, I, I don't have any other words other than this person reacted on their gut and their gut was right because this person ended up becoming a prolific mm-hmm. child trafficker. Ugh. So Gandhi was a well-trafficked groomer and like... He was well-crafted in grooming and child trafficking by the time he met Brian. They were introduced through a fellow pedophile, and the two had become friends via Facebook where communication was established. The pair got to know one another, and Brian was only 14 years old at this time, while Gandhi was in his 30s. Quickly... Ryan, it's disgusting. Quickly learning Brian was exactly what Gandhi was looking for. A young male suffering from socioeconomic status. He was coming from a large family that had little to no money. He was struggling with his sexuality and acceptance. And Gandhi wastes no time in grooming Poor Brian. Right. And they never do. They That's always what they go for. Right. Because they have an end goal. Mm-hmm. And it's to get to that completely. It's this case is we haven't even really started. And it's I, it's just really disgusting and disturbing. This entire case is. So <sighs> we're just going to keep moving along because we got to get through it. So three days after Brian turns 15, The two meet in person for the first time where Gandhi takes Brian to the mall for his birthday. Shows him a good time. I'm sure. Buying him all the things, you know, Mm -hmm. because he is coming from a low-income family. So, you know, he doesn't have access to the latest fashion clothing trends and music and all the jam. Yeah. So after the shopping trip, though, Gandhi takes Brian back to his home where he would sexually stimulate Brian until he reaches orgasm. And Gandhi would then perform oral sex on Brian and unsuccessfully attempt to engage in anal sex or what I would say rape. rape. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's not any other simple term for that. No, and he's a minor, so he can't consent. So that is full-on rape. End of story. So Mm -hmm. Gandhi... Starts providing his time, attention, affections, these material items to Brian. And over time, Gandhi was able to groom and coerce Brian into believing this was love and that he cared for Brian. And this was what providing for looked like. Brian would start to spend the night with Gandhi, who continued to sexually gratify himself in the presence of Brian. Piece of He is a piece of shit. Furthering the exploitation by introducing Brian to child 
exploitation content and videos to which the two would watch and gratify one another while watching. And I feel very like that is vile. That is that is vile. Yeah, it is. I feel extremely grotesque just reading. It's grotesque and I feel disgusted reading reading some of this. I'm going to be honest, writing this case was probably one of the more difficult ones for me to write just because I did have access to some court documents that went into detail about some of the crimes and what was said in testimony and it's I've scaled it back a lot for this podcast, I will say that. Oh. So with time, Gandhi introduced Brian to his massage therapy business that he runs out of the home um, that he lived in on the corner of Dowling and Trujillo in Houston, Arizona. Um, I'm sorry, Houston, Texas, (laughs) not Arizona. What? Trujillo? Trujillo. I'm probably saying it wrong. It's in the Houston area. Um, what I did read was that it was like an older historic area. It sounds like it was run down, but he introduces Brian to this massage therapy business. He's running out of this home, telling Brian that he can make extra cash by performing massages with him to which Brian agrees because he needs the money comes from a low family. And after he agrees, he has these illicit images and shots taken by Gandhi of him that are used on the site Craigslist, uh, the Craigslist personal site, which I guess has now been shut down. And he would advertise for massages by an 18-year-old, even though, even though Brian's a he, minor. Gandhi really encompasses everything that a pedophile is. He goes through... All of the boxes that you see in here. Yeah. He is a pedophile. He's an absolute sicko and he's a wacko. And Brian, unfortunately, agrees to this. And even though he's a minor, he agrees to performing three massages a week, each massage involving Mm. some sort of sexual component in exchange for money. All under the table, I'm assuming. <laughs> they are not paying taxes on that. Yes. Get the hell out of here. Which that further, we will circle back to that because can they not then slap him with charges? I th- feel like, yes, I know where you're going with that. You I, would think. I think. I mean, if you're going to throw someone the book. Personally, at- yes. Well, and he's a pervert. So why not like slap him with every little Tom, Dick and Harry charge you Mm -hmm. can find on Mother Earth? Like, I wouldn't doubt that there is a case somewhere with the IRS against this man. Well, we'll get into all of that. But yeah, so by the summer of 2012, Gandhi proposes this idea of going to the London Olympic Games to Brian in exchange For performing massages while in London, Gandhi would take Brian to see some bands that were playing in town that Brian was in, I guess, bands that he wanted to see that he... And I'm sure the incentive to go to London was, you know, a big thing as well. Especially if you're coming from a lower income family. And this dude... Brian, so Brian agrees and Gandhi pays and prepares for the entire trip. So why wouldn't Brian want to go if someone else is fronting the bill for the flights? He paid for Brian's passport fees. He obtained the notary. It's a, it's a great he is opportunity. so meticulous. Right. And so Brian's looking at this as an opportunity to travel on someone else's dime, not even realizing, I'm sure, at the time that he is being trafficked. So Gandhi, like I stated, prepares for this trip by securing the flights. He pays for Brian's passport fees. He obtains a notary and he even gets a letter from Brian's mother authorizing the 35-year-old Gandhi to travel with Brian, who was a minor at the time. Oh, my God. Very well thought out. So she, so the mom knew that he was going. Yes. However, what the mother knew at that point is 
up for debate. No one, I, I'm not sure. Okay, so through court records, it was learned that Gandhi had planned to use the money that they were going to make from the massages that the two would perform on London to fund the entire rendezvous in London. Oh, oh, okay. So, yeah. Nothing's funded for Brian. He's being exploited so that they can both have fun together. Air quotes on the fun part. Right. They have... That is so... (laughs) (laughs) Speechless is really what what I'm saying. I I don't have words. So before the... I'm just going to keep going. Before the pair departs out of Houston in late July 2012... Gandhi gives his laptop to Brian to transport into the United Kingdom. The laptop was password protected and Brian was not able to ab- to access this laptop or the information within it. So they take this nine hour flight. It goes off without any problem in the pair land in England's London Heathrow Airport and they are preparing to go through customs. That's a scary custom inspection. I don't know if you've ever been there. I have. It's quite terrifying. I have. I have gone. I landed there and went through there and then I flew out of there and went to the U.S. Customs. But yeah, they I didn't have any issues with customs. It was when we were flying home. They like took everything out of my carry on and confiscated things. And I'm like, I flew here with this. So yeah, I mean, clearly I, someone's not doing their job. Mine was with a customs agent. Long story short, I mean, my friend was almost not let into the country. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, just to put it in perspective for anybody who hasn't been there, I've also heard that that is the the, the customs there. They will grill you if they have any reason to believe. And I'm sure your friend was not trafficking people, so no. why, why was he or she not? Uh, she didn't have her, like, I had all of our flight information to and from the, for the airport and all of our travel plans. She didn't have any of it. I had gone through, and they refused to let me go back through to show them that she had proof that she had a flight home from London. Oh. And they were like, No sorry and I was like what do you what do you mean like we have to catch a flight to the United States in eight hours like no dude like you gotta let us through anyways just so put it in perspective for everybody well these guys were definitely on their game in the UK this nine-hour flight goes off like I without any problems they land in Heathrow they're getting ready to go through customs and UK border agents started to feel like something was off when Gandhi told them the pair were there to see the Olympic Games but had not yet purchased any tickets they hadn't secured any hotel accommodations and at that point, officials decided to separate Gandhi and Brian, who gave agents inconsistent answers as to the status of their relationship, which then prompted UK border agents to contact the U.S. Immigrations and Customs Enforcement's Homeland Security Investigations Unit, which we will call HSI for short, because that is a mouthful. So UK officials contact HSI and inform them of this situation. They then deny access into London and into England for Gandhi and Brian, and they send them on a flight back to the United States, separate flights. They send them back on separate flights to the United States where both of them are greeted by HSI agents and interviewed at the airport. And it's during this interview that HSI agents start to hear from Brian this grim story of who Gandhi really is and the life that he has forced Brian into, what they were really doing in London, all of the things. And HSI agent, uh, special agent Juanine Juanine Johnson, with the help of the assistant United States attorney's 
office and with the help of Sherry Zach secured a criminal complaint against Gandhi in the south southern district of Texas, which then led to Gandhi being formally charged on Wednesday, July 25th, 2012, with transporting a minor for commercial sex acts. He was then held without bond as a flight risk and danger to the community, and search warrants were then executed at Gandhi's residence, which included a multi-rental property in Houston that had a massage room attached to that home and an RV. Wow. Yes. So they now served. They really did their due diligence. Hold your breath on that. Okay. Yes. In the grand scheme of things and where we, we, we know Gandhi is convicted. Yes, they did do their, their job and their due diligence, but there were definitely some hiccups along the way. So the laptop, which was still in Brian's possession, when he arrived in the U.S. was seized by agents and run through a forensic diagnostic. And Brian told investigators at the time how Gandhi used the laptop to watch child exploitation videos and material with him that he used to run. He used the laptop to run his website massage business and that he would upload the photos that he had taken onto the laptop as well. Through the forensic analysis, federal agents were able to corroborate Brian's statement on Gandhi, but they also discovered additional explicit child exploitation images of not only Brian and Brian alone with Gandhi, but of other children alone and with Gandhi and they even sadly found images of Gandhi and his travels throughout Southeast Asia and the minor males that he saw during that trip. Which, according to court documents, he visited the Philippines, Bali, and Indonesia. So, well, uh, okay. So I, it's safe to say this dude is an international yeah, human trafficker. He's he's well versed on how to do it which just is sick but no yeah it's he is a special kind of fucked up yeah he really is so gandy would use a public defender And he was actually offered a plea deal by the DA at the start of all of this in exchange for a guilty plea of transportation of a minor for commercial sex acts and forfeiting all of his properties. Gandhi would receive a lower sentence. However, he declines this offer and the case investigation moves forward. What, did he think that he was innocent? Well... I think at that time they were facing, and we will get into this a little bit later, but they were facing some legal issues and they offered him this deal. And I think, I think that he was thinking he would be able to get out of all of it because Mm -hmm. of the other legal hurdles that they were encountering. And we will talk about that later, but He even at one point during the investigation tried to convince Brian to change his statement and even threatened to have HSI agent Juanine Johnson and the state's attorney Sherry Zach killed. Which I would think he would get slapped with some additional charges for that as well. But unless they couldn't prove it or it wasn't worth their time, I'm not really sure. But according to the... Court records that I read, he attempted to have them. I'm sure that's not the first or time. Or just said it. <laughs> I'm sh- Yeah. So investigators know at this point that Gandhi has other bank jobs. They have definitely discovered this through all of the explicit content and material on his computer. And they know the importance of getting in touch with these victims to help 
secure and lock this case down and get this creep ass off the street. So in an effort to locate these individuals, the feds put out a public plea for help on February 21st, 2014, asking anyone with information on Gandhi and any potential victims of his to contact investigating officials. It was from this national release in 2018 that HSI agents and prosecutors were able to identify an additional three victims of Gandhi, all minors at the time of their exploitation, ages 15 to 17 years old. And from this statement given by these men, the state was able to slap on additional charges for Gandhi, which included production or attempted production of child exploitation content and transportation of child exploitation, bringing it to a seven count indictment at this point. So gross. Which a seven count indictments, I sounds solid, right? Sounds pretty. Yeah, that does sound pretty solid. Like they're nailing him with everything that they can potentially. You would think you would hope, right? So through the additional victims that stepped forward, the investigators were able to learn that Gandhi's grooming his manipulation was a gradual progression on his victims. While all were exploited at various levels, the escalation in Gandhi's tactics had grown from his first known victim to how he was then exploiting Brian. The mental and sexual abuse antics, his grooming techniques, and just brazen anti-fear of retribution intensified with each victim and Gandhi learned how to use his tools to coerce each victim based on their vulnerabilities another and yeah he's he's a master manipulator and a master child groomer he really is and and as much as I know we don't want to talk about him, there's so much we can learn from his techniques and what he did to help. And just the actual prosecution part of this, which we will get into. I understand it's it's hard and the mistakes suck and you can't go back and change it. But what we can do is learn from them. And I think there's a lot that we can learn from this case. So... The other interesting fact that came about through this investigation and discovery of the victims was that after his first victim, all of Gandhi's following victims were young, Hispanic, effeminate males with very boyish builds, each homeless or experiencing a level of homelessness and all of whom were seeking a level of acceptance in their life and struggling with their sexuality. So he found his type. He absolutely had a type. He had a type 100%. Now that type changed because we know from court records, Gandhi assaulted a victim who we will call Thomas in the summer of 2005. Now Thomas was ID'd by law enforcement as being Gandhi's first known victim. And Thomas was a white male with light hair and light eyes when all of the rest of the victims were Hispanic. So he, he, Mm. he did have a type. They all, all of them were struggling with their sexuality. Uh, But as far as appearances and, ethnicity from what we learned and the victims that have come forward there could potentially be more so we don't know but what we do know is victim number one thomas who was id by law enforcement as being gandy's first known victim was a white male light hair light eyes and he met gandy through his father who happened to be a massage client of gandy's Which, if that's the case, and we know that Gandhi was running an illegal massage, can you not 
can we connect those dots criminalize this dude for it so by the summer of 2005 they have established a relationship a rapport with each other and gandy lures thomas to his property under the guise of having him fix a tractor along with doing some handiwork around the property thomas was only 15 at the time and Like I had stated before, he was definitely struggling with his sexuality and he unfortunately begins to develop strong feelings for Gandhi. And it's here on this property that Gandhi eventually sexually assaults Thomas inside the RV in which he lived. Some of these things are drawing parallels with a... Another, well, he's a serial killer, but uh, John Wayne Gacy. Oh, really? Just a bit, yeah. Some of the things they're discussing and talking about, you know, especially luring boys to come and work for him. Yeah. Yeah. So after some time, well, let me back up. The exact length of time which Thomas was sexually abused by Gandhi is unknown to me. But what we do know is that Thomas never performed any sexual commercial acts for Gandhi through his massage business. Thomas was abused and manipulated only by Gandhi. And by 2006, he was pretty much done with Thomas and was moving on to his next victim. After some time, however, Thomas returns to Gandhi hoping to reconnect. Since Gandhi was his first love, there was this sense of trauma bonding, a connection between the the two of them. Um, Only Thomas discovers that victim number two, who we'll call Dustin, has since taken his place. So Dustin, the second minor victim to step forward, was abused the longest by Gandhi, spanning from 2006 to 2008, starting the pattern of providing that love and acceptance. He offers a place for Dustin to stay, which leads to the sexual assault and exploitation of Dustin in the same manner as Thomas. It's during this period of Gandhi exploiting Dustin that his crimes and exploitation of his victims starts to expand, taking it just a step further. He introduces Dustin to his massage business where he first provides a massage to Dustin. And over time, Gandhi uses his tactics to convince Dustin to participate in the massages as well as a way to make money and help pay for all the things, like whatever. He's definitely, you can see his uh, thought process coming together of how he can do this in a way where he won't get caught, but also keep these boys compliant and ready to serve him essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, he's absolutely manipulating them and using them for his own personal gain. Mm -hmm. Dustin's destitute and he has, a lack of resources so he agrees and Gandhi starts taking half nude and nude photos for their advertisements that are then placed online and during these massages the clients Gandhi booked would receive it basically it's the term we all know happy ending massages they go in for a massage and they walk out being satisfied mm-hmm. in some form or fashion. <laughs> in the beginning, the clients would pay for either fondling or masturbating Dustin or sexually gratifying themselves in the same manner. And I think what we need we need people to know is, one, I know it's not funny, it's just awkward sometimes and I yeah I'm not laughing uh but what we need everyone to know is that 
basically the more the client requests, the more money Gandhi is now making. You up the ante, it ups the price. It It's the basic goods and services. Correct. This isn't a buffet, if you will. This is a a la carte type situation. Oh, God. Bad terminology. Best way I can describe it, though. So, Gandhi starts introducing introducing Dustin to clients that are now demanding more, which further increases this abuse that he is receiving at the hands of Gandhi. Right. It's just so... And I'm sure he has an idea that this is wrong, but it's the only thing that he knows at this point in time. When I think, too... You're also looking at younger adolescent kids. So when they're probably looking at this as, well, he's an adult and he says it's okay. Mm -hmm. Or all these other adults are coming and doing it. Is it really a big deal? Like, I'm sure he starts questioning his own reasoning. Yeah, there's a huge thought. I'm sure there's so much thinking going on and just guilt and shame mixed with, well... Everyone that I know is doing it, so it shouldn't be that bad, right? Right. So, Jose Alfaro is victim number three who testifies at trial. And we covered his case here on Human Trafficking True Crime a few episodes back. Uh, We encourage our listeners to go and listen to his story in full. But Jose, quick rundown, had left his abusive home at 15 After being kicked out of his less than accepting family for being gay, after being forced to choose between conversion therapy camp or being homeless, Jose starts bouncing around and couch surfing until he lands in the home of Gandhi, who he had met on a site called gay.com. Jose quickly moves in with Gandhi and he wastes zero time introducing Jose into the massage business the massage business to help him make that extra money that he needs, right? Jose is homeless essentially and he needs that money. So he takes this, this offer up and Jose states like the other victims did when they testified against Gandhi that the massages had started out with just fondling masturbation and or molestation. However, though with time, The abuse would start to increase where oral was performed and eventually sexual intercourse was had, um, either receiving or giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like we also stated, though, it's rape. It's It's not sexual intercourse. So after Jose's initial sexual assault, he plays hooky sort of the next day. And then he discovers photos of younger male boys in compromising situations, either alone or with Gandhi on Gandhi's laptop. And at that point, Jose decides it's time to dip out. He's ready to go. And it's not until years later when Jose sees the alert from the feds on Gandhi's case that, is explaining Gandhi had been arrested and they're seeking information on other survivors. It's at that point that Jose then reaches out to the HSI agents and gives his statement to which he then testifies. And according to several articles I read, it was one of the stronger testimonies that Mm -hmm. was given at trial by the survivors right and i if i remember correctly from our episode it was incredibly heartbreaking for jose as well yeah to relive that yeah and from what i read it sounds like he was at that point in time of the survivors the one with the most tools and process in working through Mm -hmm. his issues regarding this which is probably why his statement was one of the most stronger statements that was given i don't have any doubt he had his thoughts in a row yeah black all photography located in the heart of old town lewisville is a five-star rated photography business with over 15 years of experience 
Kelly Blackall, the owner of Blackall Photography, has a way of making anyone feel confident and comfortable in those sometimes awkward shots. She can get a wonderful photo of anyone, even those Chandler Bing clients. Kelly can capture shots that look effortless and natural while locking in beauty around. Blackall Photography will handle your class portraits, engagement photos, or even that perfect political campaign headshot. Kelly has done it all and loves to get creative with her clients. If you have been on the fence about getting those updated headshots or need family photos for the holidays, reach out to Kelly and book your session today at Blackall Photography on Instagram. That's B-L-A-C-K-A-L-L Photography. Or you can visit at blackallphotography.com. Schedule your perfect shots today and I promise you won't be disappointed. The prosecution and investigation teams had several legal setbacks and hurdles to overcome things like motions for reconsideration of bond, several different motions to suppress and a motion for a speedy trial. Gandhi even shuffled through several different legal teams throughout this six year investigation, only prolonging them getting to trial Now, the motion to suppress the bond, all of that stuff, that began when the interview started with Gandhi at Houston's George Bush Intercontinental Airport back in 2012. According to the International Association of Chiefs of Police, in an article titled The Boys Behind the Business Pulling Back the Veil on a Prolific Sex Trafficker of Boys, they state there were heirs administering Gandhi's Miranda oh, rights. Oh, no. Yes. And interviewers did not have a well-developed plan established at the early stages, which resulted in an unusable statement. Because of the issue with the Miranda rights, the statement Gandhi provided at the airport to agents in 2012, July of 2012, which that statement was the basis for the residential search warrant they had obtained, couldn't be used, and therefore all of the evidence which agents had discovered at the home was not admissible in court. So basically, someone didn't read the Miranda rights correctly. There was an issue. I'm not exactly sure what but there was some type of issue with the Miranda rights where they obviously were not read they obtained a search warrant and the rights were not read to which everything they found had to be thrown out even though it's all right there it's all right there you just you have to reach out and grab it but our constitution and he didn't read his Miranda rights which I I back our constitution and this is where our law enforcement agencies and our investigating officers need to be better equipped in making sure and they honestly need to connect with their you know the attorney's office the state attorney's Mm -hmm. office because police officers are not attorneys and I get that so there needs to be a better correlation between the two right The article goes on to state that at the time, the interviewers didn't fully understand victims in sex trafficking cases and that there could be other potential charges such as child pornography offenses, coercion, and enticement. The haste which with things occurred in the Gandy case led to incompetent information being obtained. From Brian, at a critical phase of the investigation... Supporting data, International Association oh of Chiefs of Police. So after 14 different con- um, defense continuances, competency evaluations, and restorations, the trial finally got underway on July 19th, 2018, after six long... Oh. And you can't even use half of the stuff that they have against him. Right. Could have been in in jail probably a lot longer than what he was. So Gandhi's defense lawyer warned the jurors in his opening remarks that although they may find his client's sexual content with four minors 
quote unquote, offensive or consider it statutory rape, they are obligated in this case to focus on the federal allegations before them that Gandhi prostituted young men, threatened or coerced them, and collected pornographic images of at least one boy. Jurors would hear testimony from all four of Gandhi's victims, Brian, Thomas, Dustin, and Jose. And while Gandhi had compromising illicit photos of these victims, many were not allowed to be shown in court due to a court ruling suppressing the unclothed images of the victims. Makes sense. Okay. I'm not against it. However, if it's part of the basis of your case, it's kind of, I guess, I question if can you if you can make in this situation, they could make the case without the images. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, what happens when you need those images? I think the jury seeing those in a closed room is different than in a courtroom with the said Right. Um, Accuser. Right. Like, Gandhi doesn't need to relive those photos again because he's obviously going to take sexual gratification from them. Yeah, he doesn't need to see them. And I think it's a good idea they didn't. Now, whether or not the jurors saw them behind closed doors, I'm not sure. But what we do know is that jurors did see photos of Brian as a minor in only a lion cloth where his buttocks were exposed. Now, I didn't know what a lion cloth was. I had to look this. Is it a loin? I thought a loincloth. Like, yeah, one of those like Tarzan things. Um, yeah, you could say Tarzan. I was going more for like the Egyptian oh, okay. pharaoh type thing. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it's one of those cloths, like a toga type thing. Yeah. So this poor kid's wearing that and jurors saw this image uh of him that Gandhi Ugh. had taken. While he's in the room. Yeah, and the jurors also saw other photos of Gandhi and his victims in less compromising situations, but all horrific and all child exploitation material. Mm-hmm. So there was a brief delay in the trial of Gandhi after he suffered an injury that he explained as an attempt to commit suicide. Showing up to the court afterwards in a bandage around his neck, many people started speculating that it was a way for Gandhi to obtain sympathy votes from Yeah, I don't doubt that. Yeah, I... Sounds like a fake cry for help. They obviously didn't fall for that little charade because Jason Daniel Gandy was convicted in a Houston federal court by the jury on four counts of sex trafficking of minors, one count of transportation of minor for commercial sexual acts, one count of sexual exploitation of a child, and one count of transportation of child exploitation content. His trial only lasted four days, and the jury only needed three hours to find him guilty of being a pedophile and a human trafficker. That is is fast. It is really fast, and it makes me wonder that It makes me feel like the state and the prosecution really had solid, even though they had those setbacks, they had Mm -hmm. solid evidence to bring forth to get a conviction. You know, witness testimonies, victim testimonies, I feel like did a lot. Oh, I definitely think it helped completely. Did more than a lot. That was. Well, I think it humanizes the situation, right? So you have the one original victim that we know that was with him in London, and you have all these other additional victims coming forward or survivors at this point. It humanizes the story of seeing each individual 
and who they are and how they yeah. have suffered at the hands of Gandhi. And how they were manipulated and coerced into doing what he wanted them to do for his own gain. Yeah, completely. Five months after his trial and conviction on December 18th, 2018, Gandhi who had remained in state custody since his original arrest in 2012, was sentenced by U.S. District Court Judge Lee Rosenthal to 360 months in prison, which is 30 years. Following this release from prison, Gandhi will be on a lifetime supervised parole. He will have to comply with numerous requirements designed to restrict him having access to children in the Internet. And he will be required to register as a sex offender. I think he should have gotten more. I 100% agree. I think that you have four victims and only four counts like uh, absolutely not. I I think it, it should be 30 years for every crime. I would think it should be 30 years per count of human trafficking. Yes. And I think we said that in the Jose Alfaro We did, yeah. Case. We're just... Because yeah. I, I still... It is. I just don't... I don't think that Well, we didn't enough. really go into all of the crimes of Gandhi in Jose Alfaro's case. In this case, we really go into all of the people... The four victims that we know of that testified against Gandhi in court. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't seem like a lot of time for, I mean, he's only, he was 30, I think five when this started. I think he was 41-ish, give or take, when the sentence actually, when he got sentenced to this okay, crime. So, so he's going to be years, out. He's going to be 70 he'll be out he'll yeah and who knows could he potentially be up for good behavior at some point oh so in in the in this in the grand scheme of things it's plausible to think that he will be alive and walking the streets by the time his sentence is over like his sentence will be right. over and he'll get out. I'm of jail. also not sure if he's gonna last in federal prison. That's a great comment, and I wonder the same thing. Unfortunately, even with this conviction, the damage had already been taken its toll on all of the survivors. All of them had suffered from psychological mental damages that drove these survivors to experience substance substance abuse, addiction issues, extreme depression, anxiety, PTSD, all of the things that Mm -hmm. you would expect someone going through that kind of trauma to experience. And on a positive note, a civil case was brought against Jose Alfaro. I'm sorry. A civil case was brought against Gandhi by Jose Alfaro, and he was awarded $1.4 million in restitution, Good. to which Gandhi has not paid. Um, I think the last thing that I had read on that is they are trying to work around some legal things around that and his assets and all of that. But he did win that case, and rightfully so. Good. Yeah. In an article from the Evening Standard, Mark Dawson from the HSI stated, thanks to the outstanding partnership we have with the UK Border Force, we have sent a resounding message that the global law enforcement community is united in our mission to bring those who victimize children to justice. And I thought that was, that was kind a of very good art. That's a good quote. I thought that was a good quote. And it is. Yeah. It was a great a partnership in somebody in the UK recognizing something was amiss and they crossed their T's, dotted their I's and, and they went with their gut. They felt something was wrong. They went with their gut and it led to d- the discovery of this prolific human trafficker who exploits young boys and now he's in jail all because yeah. he and questioned s- and set up a cornerstone for them to now look in a new light how people can traffic other people and exploit them yeah absolutely and 
from that police international police of uh, chiefs of police article to they they talk about how they can learn from this situation and how they can better be equipped to handle the situations when they're in the moment so that they don't have to deal with these legal issues mm-hmm. later on and that they get testimony correctly and they did state that the interviewers didn't really know how to interview right the victims because yeah. this was it was a f- fairly uh discovered thing on a world platform i guess that might be a good way to put that like it's human trafficking's always been around but i feel like it came to a head in the 2000s yeah well i mean you're saying this happened all in 2012 so i think that was like right around when people were really starting to take more interest in human trafficking um we're seeing the patterns throughout the stages in the world to come to these conclusions yeah i don't know what i'm saying well it's either way it's a great partnership it was a great opportunity to work with cross-functional nations you know across Mm. the world in recognizing the issues at hand but also i think it speaks volumes for law enforcement to be able to say hey we know we messed up we are aware we messed up and here's how we messed up and here's how we're working to identify how to fix that for the future so that that doesn't happen again and like i said fortunately for this case evil did not win good prevailed and they were able to seek justice and 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 good on the victims too for being able to give their impact statements in front of a jury in order to help put him away yeah um and to to relive all those traumas uh that they had already previously experienced and hopefully were able to heal from and move on um i know that that brought a lot back for everybody but it takes a lot of courage to get back up there and do that again yeah it really does so we wish all of those survivors a life full of happiness and hopefully they're able to like you had said overcome and move past these traumas and and put them in the past essentially um it's definitely a hard case this one this jason gandy was a a hard case to cover but unfortunately sometimes we do have to cover these cases because there is lessons to be learned we we know that law enforcement is not exempt to err they are human and they make lapse in judgments all the time and so one thing that I think is the best to take away from the Jason Gandy case is how law enforcement handles these situations when they are interviewing these trafficking survivors because they're not always forthcoming and how you handle a female trafficking victim and survivor is not going to be the same in how you handle a male and even from female to female that that scenario and situation will be different, different but it's vastly different when you have a male and how you approach that and how you combat that issue is something that we have to learn from so that we can stop this. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say, do our weekly spotlights, Megan? Yes, I will take those on. Alrighty. First we have Heather Danielle Cannon. She was 15 years old when she was last seen on August 27th, 2009 in Athens, Texas. She is described as a white female with sandy brown hair and green eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 5 inches tall and weighed around 140 to 150 pounds when she went missing. Heather was last seen in the company of her biological father, Gerald Allen Whitley. Heather had her ears, navel, and tongue pierced when she went missing. Anyone with information is asked to call the Henderson County Sheriff's Office at 903-675-5128. Next, we have Robert Wayne McCullar, who was 39 years old when he was last seen on February 20th, 1995 in Denton, Texas, where he walked away from his Denton State School, a facility which houses mentally disabled adults. Robert is described as a white male with brown hair and brown eyes. 
He was approximately 5 feet 7 inches tall and weighed around 195 pounds when he went missing. Robert is severely mentally disabled and has the mental capacity of a 5-year-old. Limited verbal skills, but does know his first name, and Robert suffers from violent seizures and requires daily medication. Anyone with information is asked to call the Denton Police Department at 940-349-7974. Last, we have Kristen Fountain, who was 13 years old when she was last seen on August 31, 2001 in Houston, Texas. Kristen is described as a black female with brown hair and brown eyes. She was approximately 5 feet 6 inches tall and weighed around 150 pounds when she went missing. Kristen was last seen wearing blue capri pants and matching blouse, brown sliders, and wearing a brown clip in her hair, carrying a green binder. Anyone with information is asked to call the Houston Police Department at 1-713-731-5223. Case number 1194-1901-Q. All right. Well, until next week, true crime friends, I will remain bold, loud, and out there with all I do. And you guys stay vigilant, be aware, and remember what the world needs now is love, not hate. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, guys.